This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler. I'm the general manager here at WZIP. Uh, joining me today, um, well, one very familiar voice because Heather <laughs> Falk was just here, you know, really a few weeks ago. Uh, we were talking all about um, traveling abroad, student um, study abroad experiences and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But you do a lot of other things here at the university. Here's my other hat. Right. And one <laughs> of them is being one of the chairs of our Rethinking Race um, you know, series of events that's coming up very, very soon. Also, uh, Dr. Bill Lyons is in the studio. He's an associate dean in the College of Arts and Sciences, happens to be one of the founders of Rethinking Race. Thanks for inviting me. So, yeah. So we're going to talk all about that and let people know um, that even though this is, um, you know, something that happens on our campus and has every year and is continuing this year, although there are some virtual elements too, so mm-hmm. really it satisfies everybody in some way, um, it's not specifically just for our campus. It's not just for our students. So let's hear a little bit, I guess, about what, what is rethinking race? What does that even mean? Bill, you want to go ahead and start with that? <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, I think as an educator, it's, it's important to me and important to colleagues to help um, our students and our community uh, rethink the most difficult challenges we face to try to find more innovative ways to approach those challenges. And certainly one of the most vexing, gnarly problems we face is race, racism, racial discrimination, all the problems associated with the conflicts that surround race. Uh, And so uh, many years ago, a student came to me, a black student came to me and said he wanted to do a a project for Martin Luther King Day. Um, I was director of Center for Conflict Management at the time. And that project uh, evolved into rethinking race that, you know, it's now well beyond the Center for Conflict Management. Um, but it started out with um, an effort to try to help each other think again, rethink uh, this pretty complicated and um, disturbing challenge that we face. You think it's important that we can we just continuously think and rethink and rethink and have this on our minds, you know, beyond Black History Month, beyond Rethinking Race? I do. Um, If you can't tell from my voice, I'm a white guy. So people like me in particular uh, generally don't think about race. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a dimension of white privilege, that we don't have to think about it. Um, There was a comedian that came to Rethinking Race some years ago uh, one of his jokes still sticks in my head where he said, being black is like having a second full-time job. My first full-time job is pretty exhausting. I don't want a second full-time job. Mm-hmm. But I do feel uh, an obligation to think about it and to rethink about it because it's affecting my neighbors and my country. And um, it's a it's a serious problem, and I think it's a cancer in the great American experiment that if we don't rethink uh, on a regular basis, on a daily basis, often, then we're really not living up to our obligation as uh, democratic citizens. Let me ask you this. Do you think that, um, you know, over time, as people have been rethinking and, and hopefully teaching their children better than what, frankly, you and I might have been taught, uh, just simply because of when we grew up, you know, um, we do see change, though, don't we? I mean, are we in a better place in terms of the way we think about race than we were, well, obviously, 50 years ago, but even 
10 years ago or five years ago? Or are we better? So that's a good question. That's a really good question. Is that, I, it's not a yes or no answer no. either, really. No, I mean, it it's, is. It's, very... a really, it's an important question, a really important question. Uh, because there are, there are people we run into, probably you know, people we have beer with that are on our volleyball team or you know, we play pickleball with, who might say, why are we even concerned about race? You know, I mean, that, that, we dealt with that a long time ago. Um, and so you have, to, you have to wrestle with that uh, paradox, I think you're describing. So yes, there absolutely has been progress, right? We no longer, you know, if there, was a, if there was a black person sitting in the room with us right here, that person would no longer be considered property, right? That's progress, mm -hmm. right? At the same time, uh, progress is also not the promised land. You know, we, we have made progress. Jim Crow was better than slavery, but Jim Crow really stunk, right? Uh, and so now we're also past Jim Crow, but, you know, lots of, if you, ha if you haven't read New Jim Crow, by the way, you should read it. You know, there are lots of scholars out there that argue that, you know, now that New Jim Crow was pushed aside, we have found other mechanisms to accomplish the same discriminatory objectives. So, yes, we have made progress, um, and there's no doubt about that, and we should celebrate that. But at the same time, the remaining dimensions of the problem are in some ways the most difficult to unpack because there are things, there are things that, are, that are, are more implicit uh, they're not racial categories in the law, um, mm -hmm. and they're and they're, they're those are harder to uproot. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about something really <clears throat> obvious, and, and probably even people who who do who do show racial bias would even know better than, for example, to use that word. I, I would think, and they're making a choice to to use that kind of language or whatever. But I, th I think what you're saying is then we have the other more the, the microaggressions and, and the things that aren't quite so obvious. I mean, people, people sitting in this room, I certainly hope everybody listening to this program, if they're still listening, they probably are on board with this to a point, right? <laughs> the other ones have turned us off. <laughs> but but I mean, those, those people, you know, I think yeah. we all, I mean, that's so obvious. Of course, you don't say words like that. You just don't. But it's it's much, it. you know, when you mentioned bias. But it's all those little things. Yeah, go ahead. We, we, all, we all have bias uh, and degrees of bias. And so that's the idea of the rethinking, right, is just to keep our minds on the task of making sure we're working with this, through this, on this. You know, mm. there's. I don't think there's really an end line. I mean, I don't even know if we could imagine yeah. one. but. The idea is, um, you know, I'm, I have biases, even though I consider myself woke and I'm working on these things. I definitely have biases, and some of them involve race, and some of them are better than my neighbor's biases, and some of them are worse. And, you know, you, you, I don't think there's a getting out from under it because that's our world, right? Mm -hmm. But if we think about them and we are intentional about thinking about them, then, you know, we're doing, we're, we're doing yeah. good work. Probably important to mention, too, that when we talk about, about, race, about race, racial bias, Whatnot. It's this is not just black and white, is it's it? It's not black, white, and beyond is the full name. Rethinking race, black, white, and beyond. It isn't just black and white. Although um, I've been working with rethinking race from its first day, I, I personally have always been pushing us to uh, recognize it's black, white, and beyond, but recognize that the core mm -hmm. racial conflict in America is black and white. Absolutely, mm -hmm. for sure. What year was that? Do you remember? That was the year. Um, no, I don't remember. Okay. It was the year after. <laughs> it's been a long time ago. It was, it was. 1997's when he came. Is that what it was? Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. So it was 10 years after Bill Clinton was here. Okay. Right. Okay. He did his town hall on race here at the University of Akron, which mm -hmm. was a pretty cool right. choice. 
and then, uh, as, I, as I understand it, you all decided to commemorate that 10-year anniversary in perpetuity. So I guess, you know, we've been trying to, you know, kind of establish, um, you know, what rethinking race means, at least at the University of Akron. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how exactly we're going to be rethinking some of the activities that are going on and, and things that people get involved in. I mean, we have, a, we have a, like a variety. I mean, there's performances yeah. and there's, there's film and there's discussions and, and face-to-face things, which I've done before. And they're, they're really fun, but challenging sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, On purpose. That's I guess good. That's, I guess that's the point. <laughs> Sure. So, yeah, let's take it away. Let's go well, with some of this stuff. I think, Chris, one of the things that's great about Rethinking Race uh, and and makes it, you know, a little uh, unwieldy because there's so much, right? It's it's nimble. Uh, the answer is pretty much always yes. I mean, unless, you know, the KKK said, can we do an event? We would probably have to really sort that out. But, <laughs> but, but the idea is that there is no one right way to manage these rethinkings and that we don't have a goal in mind. We're not, we're not trying to get to the point where everybody holds hands and sings Kumbaya and says we're all pink underneath. Like, that's not for us to say. We just want to bring it to the surface and have people engage. So, yes, as you mentioned, we have, uh, we have a play that's playing twice. The Gum Dip Theater is bringing Brokers Without Borders. We have keynote speakers. We have films. We have these face-to-face conversations. Bill is a master of the face-to-face conversation. We have, uh, you know, student-led talks. We have interactive artistic events. Uh, we, we have an exhibit this, this year that we're linking to that's at KSU. It's, a, it's groundbreaking. It's called Textures, the History and Art of Black Hair phenomenal, phenomenally curated event, uh, and it'll be, we're going to do sort of a field trip, old-fashioned fields trip, get in our cars and, and go up and have curated tours. So anything we can do in the region to involve people in this, we want to do. So that's why it's so varied. That would be really cool to participate with the field trip mm-hmm. and then also taking the keynote, Matthew Cherry, mm-hmm. and perhaps having watched Hair Love. Um, nice. If not, you should. Yeah, <clears throat> six minutes. Really, I was just going to say, it's less than 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if you're not really into it, I showed it to my um, class that I'm teaching this semester. It's in uh, Introduction to the Media Industries. And the theme that I've been incorporating throughout the semester and will continue to has really a lot to do, certainly with history of media, but... Um, to me, a lot of it has to do with where we are now and specifically where we are in terms of marginalized groups as media consumers, as media leaders, as media talent, you know, whatever. And I thought that was a really good example of how media and culture can kind of influence each other. And, you know, I was surprised a lot of the students, most of the students in this class had not seen it. I thought that maybe they had. Yeah. And, and most of them hadn't. And they, the reaction was really positive. It's really, and it's it, a really good one. It is. On it, a lot it, of layers. It's, it's like, you know, I didn't like ugly cry or anything, but there's, <laughs> it's did. really emotional <laughs> for sure. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me um, respond to your connection there. You organically put those things together, A, because you're an intelligent human. But, <laughs> but one of the things Rethinking Race tries to do is create ripples that allow people to take away and keep going instead of like, okay, I saw that movie and now I'm going home and I'm going to play Xbox or whatever I'm going to do. So, for instance, Matthew Cherry is one of the... Uh, keynotes. He is talking about hair love, and he has just launched a line, by the way, of hair care products through Dove. I didn't know for, that. Yep, textured hair care products for children, and it's got Zuri from the movie on the label, the whole thing, right? So there's a connection there. Uh, so the textures exhibit is making a, a trailer. Since we can't bring it here, it's at Kent. They're making a little trailer movie. We're going to show that after Cherry's talk. Mm-hmm. So people who are thinking about the hair and and its impact and where it fits in the world then can say, "Oh, I can drive 20 minutes from here and go see that." And during February, um, residence life and, st- and student life are doing a black hair product drive. So admission to the event, uh, the event at Kent is you bring black hair products and then you get in the door. So, oh, nice. you know, we're just trying to create ripples that 
allow people to jump off. I love the Dove connection, off. too. Yeah, we're hoping, Matthew Cherry, I mean, if you're listening, maybe you could donate <laughs> some hair products to the drive. Well, you know, for people who don't know, Dove um, made a pretty big deal a few years ago out of, um, you know, normalizing different looks and different bodies and stuff like that mm-hmm. in their advertising. Yeah. So they really kind of abandoned, you know, the whole sort of stereotypical model look in You mean in white people at the center of everything? Well, white, skinny people. <laughs> skinny white with, people. Right, sort yeah. of hairstyles and stuff like that. And, right. and made sure that it looks like normal people mm-hmm. who happen to use Dove, which... I'm pretty sure normal people have always been using Dove, yep, so it yep. makes sense. <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's a lot of really cool connections with that. Yeah. You know, over the years, I, I'm sure you can't pick one, but it, can, can you think of anything, even if it's not your very favorite, where Jane you had a big takeaway <laughs> that, that it really, you learned something? Yeah, well, I learned something every time. You know, that's a mistake is to think, well, you know, I'm, I say I'm going to be part of this committee, and so I know all the stuff. I mean, pff, I learned something every single event, every single time. Um Jane Elliott was really formative for me, uh, probably because I got to spend all day with her and she was 83 and she outran everybody and just said the stuff that that only she can say because she's white, right? And it's stuff that everybody needs to hear, but if you put those words in a person of color's mouth, it's it's an incident, right? So So that was something that taught me a lot about privilege, as Bill mentioned before. And all those things are, are the right things, but also the messenger is important. So Jane was really formative for me. That was about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Bill, what about you? Did you have did, have you had things where you know you really took something away from it that it was meaningful? Yeah, there have been many things I've remembered that stick in my head. Usually, it's I'm really a fan of the face to face conversations that we set up, and those are set up to be informal, and they're usually focused on some kind of a contemporary question that we think students would be interested in talking about. And then there's no lecture. There's no faculty member teaching. It's just we're sitting in a room and we're talking about it. And so I've, I've done them on affirmative action. And I've been to them on interracial dating and all kinds of you know interesting topics. And listening to the students at face-to-faces never ceases to amaze me, mm-hmm. the perspectives that they bring. Um, and so I've learned a lot by running mm-hmm. face-to-face conversations. In fact, one of the things University of Akron is known for is our – uh, applied approach to knowledge production and teaching and learning. And one of the, there's a subcategory of face-to-face conversations this year that tries to build on that. It's called, what does race have to do with it? And we've envisioned it as, let's think of various future workplaces that our students might be in and then have a, what does race have to do with it in the doctor's office face-to-face? What does race have to do with it in an engineering, in an, if you work for an engineering firm? Uh, I'm going to be hosting one. What does race have to do with it if you are working in the office of an elected official? Because I'm a political scientist. Um, The idea being, uh, even if you don't think race should be something that we should be thinking and rethinking, in your future workplace, it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't come up in some way. And maybe you want to think about, uh, maybe you want to prepare for that. And we can help you do that. You know, to me, if it's something that's not coming up in a workplace, honestly, it's a red flag to me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, do, do you want, I, do, I was just telling this to one of my, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my sons, he made a comment about his company had nothing to do with this at all, um, but mentioned how in the company's eyes, they think they're pretty, you know, becoming pretty progressive in terms of employee benefits or something. And I said, well, speaking of being progressive, <laughs> what exactly is their statement about diversity, equity, inclusion? Did they, you know, <laughs> and yeah. my son laughed. Oh. And said, you know, nothing. I mean, that's not even, you know. Yeah. 
I should clarify which son because I don't know. My, my other son's employers are probably thinking, "Wait, what's he talking about?" That's what happens <laughs> when you're famous. Not in the area here, so you know. <laughs> well, I think you're right. That that brings up the point that people love to dismiss race and say they think they're being kind or they think they're being, you know, maybe progressive by saying I don't see color, which is a huge mistake because then you're erasing people. So instead of tiptoeing around race, one of the things we want to do at Rethinking Race is make sure that we are talking about it, we are knowing it's a part of our everyday interactions and trying to do that in in a way that, you know, is by people who are, you know, good at sharing information. We hope education and a university is equipped for that and we bring in experts to help us. All right. Well, who are some of the other experts? Do you do you want to name people yet? Or, um, I, mean, do you, I, I can name an event that I'm excited just, about. Okay. The, um, and he's not quite an expert yet, but he's going to be, and that's what's amazing. So I'll be I'll be brief. I was talking to a, a woman who works for Downtown Akron Partnership, uh, talking about making them into a community partner, and she mentioned she's a woman of color, and she said, you know, I I get surprised sometimes. Uh, I saw an image on on social media of a black. Uh, fetus in a medical illustration. She said, and it blew me away. I had to sit down. And later that night just happened that I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw it. I said, this has got to be that thing. So I shared it. A friend found an article about this artist uh, and I sent it over to Rich Launderville in biology and said, hey, if I can track this guy down, we should get him to come with the biology students want to host this, right? So he said, yeah, let's do it. I was able to track him down so easily. Actually, I was afraid it was like uh, the wrong guy. (laughs) He's a Nigerian medical student. He's going to school. He's going to medical school in Kiev. He's going to appear via Teams from Kiev to talk about this. And what's really cool is you'd think in Nigeria, where I, I would love to say it's 100% black, but I'm going to go with 99.999, right? Even there in his medical textbooks, everyone is white. And so during the really? first locked, of course, right? That's who publishes yeah, the books, right? Okay. So. During the first lockdown uh, of COVID, he taught himself to be a medical illustrator. I mean, these aren't sketches, right? You, you, if you put the aorta on the wrong side, someone dies, right? So he, he mastered medical illustrating so that illustration, so that he could see representation and help his future patients and help future doctors. And so we've looped in the psychology department. We've looped in the art students. We've looped in the biology students. We've got over 300 people registered to come and hear him you know, talk, and he's dying to talk to students instead of at them. So this is an event I'm super excited about. Wow. And yeah. You, and you mentioned, too, the connection with Downtown Akron Partnership. And, mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that really, I think, philosophically and in practice, this university believes that it's it's our responsibility to not just, you know, have students come to classes, but to truly, you know, integrate what we have and what the community has and make that all sort of come together. And I guess this is yeah. just one example of, of a way that we do that is – yeah. Involving the whole community. Sure, sure. Well, and I think we're, you know, we get siloed on campuses. That happens everywhere. But the idea that you think, well, there's a there's a medical student who's coming to talk. Well, I'm not a medical student, so I don't want to go to that. I should. That's not for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it likely has something that affects you, and we want to try to make those intersections meaningful. Right. Um, people should really check out the website. Yes. Um, www.uacron.edu slash race. Slash race. Mm-hmm. Okay. Easy peasy. And really, I've, I've checked that out too, and, and it's very easy to you know to navigate the calendar. You can read about some of these different, well, all the different events, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you can register. Is that please. something I should do? Yes, please. That way we kind of have a head count of traffic and we can set it all mm-hmm. up, you know. And probably important to mention too, this is not just for our students. I think we might have mentioned this at the very beginning. It's yeah. been a few minutes, but uh, not just for our students. People listening, you know, you can you can participate. Yes, all events are free. They always are. Uh, we are, of course, the University of Akron has a mask mandate. So if you're coming from 
non-campus, those are the rules. Uh, and other than that, we, we want you here. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, I'm wondering for people who, I mean, let's face it, not everybody listening to this program is, is going to make it. Um, let's give them a takeaway mm. since they, they might not be able to attend. And if you've been listening, they already maybe got a couple things. You know, what's something, but what's something that the average person should be doing to, re to, to rethink race? You know, who's not going to attend any of our rethinking race events? What, what can I do just in my own personal life? Good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it'd be hard not to find something on the Rethinking Race calendar that would interest you. So that's one thing you could do is try to participate. Uh, there's lots of good things to read. New Jim Crow would be a good one to read. Um, but I guess the most basic thing you can do, I think, is um, see people in your life that don't look like you and recognize that you generally don't interact with them, and you should. Like, reach out to them, talk to them. Um, they experience life differently than you do. Um, your life will be enriched by knowing them. And you might learn in conversation with them why you don't use the N-word or why they prefer African-American to black or black to African-American or whatever. And that's good things to learn. Don't be offended by that. You know, you learned something. So I would, I would say reach out to the people that are already in your life that don't look like you. Mm -hmm. And this is not just on race, right? It could be if you're a Christian, reach out to the Muslims in your life or the, or the atheists. If you're you know, a man, well, men reach out to women already, but you know, uh, you know, reach out on gender, reach out on sexual orientation. Yeah. Yeah. But, and since this is about race, reach out to people that, have, uh, that are of different races and, uh, include, and make them part of your life. Do you think white people are afraid to do that? Yes. I do. And the fear is not irrational. You know, if you grow up in a white family, in a white community where everybody you know is white, um, you know, and of course, you know, people will say, but I have black friends. But then mm. my question to them is, well, think about your last birthday party. Were any of them invited? No. Right. right? So you don't really have black friends. Um, you know, so if you grow up in an insulated white community, uh, it's easy to make mistakes where you will accidentally offend people. Mm -hmm. Right? We just have to accept that. You know, if I was to suddenly travel to Lithuania, where I've never been, I will offend people because I don't know the cultures in Lithuania. And I have to be ready to laugh at myself and have them point out that the thing I just said was silly or offends, you know, their national heritage or something. Well, it's the same thing when you interact with someone of a different race, you know. And, but that does make it scary that you can say things or not say things that would offend them. And you might not even know it. But I think, you know, we, we have to get over that. I, I think Bill's right, and I think one of the things that we tend to forget is um, we leave people to do it on their own. You know, we say, well, that's not my thing, and I don't have to stand in the way of racism, or I don't have to understand racism. If it doesn't affect me, it's not a thing. I think that's a huge mistake, um, and expecting people in minorities or in margins to do all the heavy lifting, <laughs> you know, to make you comfortable, to be monolithic and say, this is how X people do this and how Y people do this, you know. That's a lot of emotional labor. And aren't we already, you know, at maximum capacity with all the emotional garbage already, you know? Right. So I think, you know, try to, I mean, it's easy to say be empathetic, but it's really hard to actually make empathy work, mm -hmm. you know? And so is even if everybody has a little room to work on that, everybody has a lot of room to work on that. So I don't know, try to hold that in your mind. All right. Good start would be uacron.edu slash race. Thanks for joining us on Zips Unlimited. <laughs> 
Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP FM. Z- 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 Z-